Again, Armstrong Transport. Your truck looks good right here. Just waiting for those hats to come in. You guys are doing awesome. Should we let him get it out of his system? No unboxing today. He'd come in handy. Speaking of nightmares, the American dream has turned into an American nightmare. Look at this tweet from Luke Velasca. Look at this right here. He says, truckload carriers continue to exit the market at their fastest pace in over five years. Still a lot of capacity relative to demand, but as spot rates remain low and fuel and fuel costs rise, carrier exits show no signs of slowing down. You can see that big run-up in authorities during the pandemic. You can see that big drop-off and bleed-out afterwards. We've been in a freight recession for a little over a year now, and you can see those carriers falling off right with it. Disruptor asks, great post, Luke. Are you seeing LTL carriers insulated thanks to Yellow's closing? Luke said the little LTL data that we have indicates LTL carriers are well insulated as their contract rates are only slightly below their ATHs. And hey, uh, American Truck Associations, how about that driver shortage narrative now, baby? Not seeing it. Not seeing This is all part of the healing. We need some of this bleed out to happen. It sucks for people. It sucks for people who bought equipment at too much money, but we want rates to go anywhere. It's got to happen. What about flatbed, though? Anything good going on there? Unfortunately, flatbed is flat, too. Housing starts are at the lowest they've been since June 2020. I do have a little good news, though. The house next to me, the lot next to me, that's been sitting like for like a year now. A builder, he's finally started building on it. So maybe things are growing up. Doesn't look that way in the data, though. All right, on today's episode of What the Truck, I'm talking to Freight Waves, Rachel Premack, about Biden's visit to the UAW picket line. We'll find out the latest on the strike. We're also looking at Flexport's new claims about how it's using Chad GPT. And look at the case of a few drivers who tried to unionize and were fired over it. What happened over there? And are they in some trouble? Operation Lifesavers Jennifer DeAngelis is here. She wants to stop train tragedies. We'll look at what went down on Rail Safety Week. We'll look at some PSAs and how to stay safe on the tracks. Echo Global Logistics, Zach Jekyllin, he looks at how AI, volume, and scale all need to come together to orchestrate trade. Hey, we just talked about Flexport. We're going to talk about Flexport a little bit. Everybody's trying to get in the AI game. And then Freightwaves Justin Martin's here. He's talking about why Owaya is upset about a broker transparency law delay that seems to be taking forever. He's going to preview a new trucking video game. We're going to look at a day in the life of a longshoreman. And he's going to tell us what he'd do if a trucker drove into his pool. All right, let's tip the band. We'll get to action over here. No ride, no app, and no problem with Uber Central or Uber for Business. You can help your drivers get where they need to go after dropping off the tractor. Schedule rides, control costs, and access 24-7 support in an easy-to-use dashboard. Learn more. Just go to uberforbusiness.com. But right now, it's Rachel Premack, Editorial Director at Freightways. Rachel, what's happening? Not much. Just, uh, just excited to be on What the Truck. There's a lot of news to get through, for sure. Well, there's someone here who had a question for you. I'm afraid to ask it, so I'm gonna okay. let I'm gonna let him do it. Leatherface, what what did you want to know? Are you done planning for your wedding yet? No, but thank you for asking. It's pretty much done. There's just like a few random bits and pieces here. Um, unfortunately, not everyone who's attending the wedding is like clear on wedding etiquette this oh. is just a psa for the what the truck listeners if you're attending a wedding and you have any changes to your rsvp tell the bride and groom before two weeks out from their wedding because that's when all the vendors things are due so that's just a psa for anyone who's listening out there apologies to my immediate family if you're listening actually no apologies because you guys should know this too just you know tell the bride and groom not uh you know a week and a half before i did not get an invite to this wedding but maybe travis kelsey and uh taylor swift will invite me to their nuptials or maybe i could sneak into yours this way my first question here for you rachel is is this taylor swift inside this people are calling it a popcorn machine but i think it's just because it went past a popcorn machine it's actually like i think it's one of those things like i've worked in food service that you put uh meals and trays inside roll the tape Popcorn Look, here's where they think no, she's, she's coming. In she's in that. Just like her, that's her. Is she in there? She's in there like her, like her cleaning supplies. 
I have no proof either way, but I believe it. I believe it. I mean, it would be a very efficient way for her to get moved around. Um, they only want to keep a lot of around the machine and the crowds and whatnot. So I don't know. I believe it. I've got no proof. Chicks in the office says that it's Taylor Swift leaving the Kelsey family suite via MyMissouri.house. I, you know what? I believe it. I won't right. die on this hill, but I... Rachel, I think it was her. I think it was oh, no. her in there. But you know who didn't have to sneak in, in a popcorn machine? Joe Biden, when he showed up in Michigan yesterday, here's this big motorcade that came driving through as he was bringing everyone down to... Uh, is bringing himself down to the picket line. I heard he was there for about an hour and a half, spent about uh, 15 minutes addressing the crowd, uh, shook some hands for about an hour, and... Uh, Said he was there to support the union. I believe he's the first president to go and join a picket line, Rachel. Yeah, he so he's made himself kind of the quote pro union. The he he built himself as the most pro union president in American history. Um, you know, if you're a rail worker, you might not agree with that statement, but uh, those who kind of agree with that statement point to you know the various appointments he's made to the National Labor Relations Board. They're not, this isn't like a really fun thing to talk about is, is, is federal appointments. But, you know, if, if the NLRB uh, members and board members are more uh, pro-union, more interested in, in allowing more union activity, this is something that does help folks who are trying to unionize and trying to organize unions and potentially strike. Uh, so it's certainly... It, he has certainly made some, you know, big pro-union steps. And I think even though, you know, detractors might say, oh, this is a photo op. This is just something he's doing to, you know, get attention or, or whatever. It's not a real, uh, it's not quite as serious as you know, certain other steps might be to, uh, you know, being more pro-union. You know, this is, this is a pretty major photo op, I'd say. As you mentioned, this is the first time in history that a president has joined the picket line, uh, to my knowledge. And it's also the first time in history that a president has actually said that he supports a strike. So, Ew. you know, whether or not, whatever your opinions on unions are or whatever your opinions on Biden are, this is definitely, I think, more than just a symbolic gesture and it's a pretty big symbolic gesture, even if that's all it is. I mean, I've been to some of those events that are that end up being like photo ops. I don't know if they expected like Biden to be there for like eight or 12 hours holding a sign. Like I did a turkey toss in Boston and uh, we're all doing the line of moving the turkeys and everything. We're working all day. And then like sometime in the middle of the afternoon, Mayor Menino <laughs> and Deval Patrick show up just to like stand in line and be shown like being handed a turkey, and then they immediately moving left. tall turkey. They immediately left right afterwards, but they got their picture in there, and hey, they brought some attention to it. But I think that the most interesting thing to come out of yesterday was two days ago. The press secretary she said, "I won't, I won't tell you if uh, Joe Biden agrees with the union demands or not." Well, Joe Biden was asked that very question while he was there yesterday. Roll this clip. So I don't know. I don't know if the White House necessarily wanted that soundbite or not, but we had Biden there. They asked him if he agreed with the 40% raise. And he, yeah, they should go get it. Now, I've got one other caveat to make on this, which is that I, I wrote a little bit about this in an article a few weeks ago, but uh, the White House has actually you know, granted the big three, the big three automakers, you know, millions of dollars to build these new EV plants. And there is no stipulation to build those plants in, let's say, Michigan, Ohio, uh, Indiana, you know, states that are typically dominated by the UAW. So naturally, most of those plants are getting built in the southeast. Uh, This is one reason why the UAW has actually refused to endorse Biden ahead of the 2024 presidential election. It's uh, certainly a, so, you know, it's it's not all rainbows and sunshine, I would say, but, uh, you know, I I think it's it's a meaningful gesture. Um, I'm not sure if this will really move the needle in terms of the UAW not going to endorse Biden, but, you know, these politics are, you know, above my pay grade in some, in some regard.
Well, if you were curious, here's a picture of Biden. I know a lot of you out there who uh, stack and load freight were wondering if Biden is floor loaded or palletized. I can confirm that the president is palletized. I'm not sure the freight classification, though. We'll have to get that. We'll have next time. We'll get this next time. You know, someone was asking me, why were all the union members wearing red shirts? And I looked this up and it said the practice was started by the Communication Workers of America where red on Thursdays in honor of Jerry Hogan, a member who was killed while on the pickup line. And apparently they've taken up that task ever since of wearing wearing red to show a wow. solidarity when they team up like that. It's a bold color. It definitely stands out, especially well, in that dreary Michigan fall where they seem to be experiencing there. Well, Rachel, speaking of labor action, it's the summer labor action. It's now the fall of labor action. And now a Warner subsidiary, they try to put on their own red shirts and unionize, and they got fired over it. What's the story here? So I'm sure some, I'm sure listeners followed, uh, you know, back in August, as Ray Waves' John Kingston reported, uh, a Warner subsidiary, ECM Transport, uh, several terminals in New Jersey actually decided to unionized under the United Commercial Food Workers Union. Uh, That happened back in August. And now, as of last week, a different ECM terminal in in Erie, Pennsylvania, decided to unionize their truck drivers under uh, the Teamsters Union. Why they went with two different unions is... Very, very unclear to me, but um, the the point is that, you know, we're seeing this one uh, Warner subsidiary uh, drivers at at this company are really trying to organize, trying to join some sort of union, whether it's the Food Workers Union or or the Teamsters Union. And unfortunately, in the case of some of the employees at the the Warner subsidiary in Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, four of those drivers, Teamsters said four of those drivers who were active in uh, organizing the union were terminated shortly after uh, the Teamsters uh, union did file a petition to file uh, or a petition to unionize with um, the National Labor Relations Board. So a compl- I, it, it appears that they're, they're working on a complaint. Hmm? Well, can you do that? Can you fire someone when they try and organize like that? Isn't that part of the issue here? It is illegal. It's illegal under federal law. You can't uh, fire a worker who decides to join or not join a union. Uh, that's just protected activity under federal law. So the next step is that it appears that Teamsters will be filing a complaint against ECM Transport for the termination of these employees, and they will go to court, and or they may go to court, and then uh, depending on the results of those court settlements, those four employees may be restored to their previous jobs with full back pay and benefits. Interesting. Well, look, not, everything's getting more expensive. Everyone, I mean, you, economists can talk about inflation all they want. Biden can talk about Bidenomics all he wants. But the only thing people care about is what their grocery receipt says. When they leave the grocery store, do you think we're going to see more labor action? A lot of people are not, you know, even if you're making the same amount you were, you got like a 2% raise last year, you're making less than you were. The world costs more. I mean, you could you could say that in terms of, oh, my grocery costs will go up, or you could say that in terms of, oh, my income might go up if you're one of these, you know, if you're one of these workers. The the ECM transport workers who I spoke to in Erie told me that they hadn't actually received a pay raise in about two years. Um, and now with the freight slowdown, they're working fewer hours. So not only is their hourly pay not keeping up to inflation, but also their they're just working fewer hours, so their take-home pay is taking a serious hit. Yeah, and it's tough. Same time, the companies aren't taking in as much money either while labor is making these demands. So we'll keep an eye on it. Someone who's kind of addressing the labor thing, I guess this does. Ryan Peterson put this tweet out this morning. He has been in, he's been out in like fire put-out mode. He's at his fire blanket ever since they got rid of Dave Clark. And he said, labor cost in coordinating freight is 10% of the cost of international shipping. AI will make almost everything you buy cheaper. Thanks to our new chat GPT-4 based co-pilot that Flexport Ops tech team rolled out this week. A task that used to take operators 30 minutes can now be done in 20 seconds with a single prompt. A huge number of similar tasks and freight forwarding will be susceptible to similar AI-based automation. We plan to knock them all out one by one in the months ahead. Desperation? You think they're really doing something with ChatGPT here? You know, AI could be a, a Hail Mary for some, or maybe they've made some steps here. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I'm sure we've all had our have mixed and you know often positive uh, experiences working with AI, at least on the customer service side, and perhaps also more on the customer ops side. Um, so it's a, I mean, it's definitely one way to slash labor costs if the AI is effective and people don't just end up getting pissed off and not wanting to work with your company anymore. Uh, but look, I mean, we've been talking about automation and AI replacing jobs for decades, especially more so on the blue collar side. And now we're seeing some of that actually come over to the white collar side. Uh, a more positive spin on this could just be that, you know, those tech, te- those, uh, tech op teams don't have to focus on, you know, really menial tasks and they can focus on more larger strategic issues instead of, you know, things that aren't really that crucial or, or require that higher level type of thinking. One example that I can think of from my job where AI has come in handy is that you can now, you know, when I first started in journalism, you had to transcribe absolutely everything, all of your interview recordings. Now you can have an AI do like a machine generated first draft from your recording. That has definitely saved hours and hours off my day. And now I can actually focus on doing the reporting and writing and things that actually happen instead of transcribing. Unfortunately, a lot of interns and researchers such as myself got their start transcribing more senior journalist interviews. So maybe it's, you know, we're, we're taking that, that ladder away from younger journalists, but you know. Josh Rothstein, Josh Rothstein says, Ruh-oh, prepare for some major blunders as Flexport ops overlook blatant errors due to chat GPT-4's confident-sounding but hallucinatory responses. Now, I think that's an interesting one because I have had very little luck with chat GPT. The answers it gives me are, are it's like a party trick. Like, it, if you don't know what it's talking about, it seems like it's right. Like, it's like cold reading a room. But things I fed it that it needs to be right on, it's just not. And I used to do entries. I used to do freight forwarding when I was with FedEx Trade Networks, when I was with Vandegrift. And... A lot of this stuff is menial, like the entries that you're doing, you're going off invoices, but a lot of this information, it has to be pulled incredibly accurately, and the information's not always yeah. in the same place. So that's where I get a little skeptical that this can just remove everything, yeah. it can take 30 minutes of putting the entry in, and in 20 minutes you're all set and you're done with it. I feel like there could be a lot of exceptions here and there could be a lot of challenges, but you, you got to start somewhere and Flexport has to build the hype. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if it can get like that, like really basic, like really, I'm sure we, we, I mean, everyone listening can can relate that you have tasks in your job you really don't want to do. And you're like, I feel like anyone could do this. I feel like a robot could do this. I think it could be useful for that. But like I, as you mentioned, and like I was talking about, we've all had mixed experiences with AI. It's not perfect. Um It'll probably take years to flesh it out and years to just be like, oh, we went from 30 minutes to 20 seconds. I, I think that's, that's like maybe something in like five to 10 years, perhaps, uh, as, as the, the kinks in this technology are worked out. Fair criticism from Cameron. He said, wasn't that the promise from Flexport for the past five years? Not the AI part, but before it was software. <laughs> Why has it been harder than it seemed to be? People are, people are opining a lot in Ryan's replies, that's for sure. Um, I mean, he's tweeting a lot, so people want to, you know, fight back or say something back or, you know, compliment back. Uh, But it's been interesting looking at his replies, for sure, in recent weeks. Well, Josh says you don't need AI, you need customers. Hey, maybe this is a step towards it. We'll see what happens with Flexport. Hope to get Ryan on here and maybe he can tell us and assure us of the accuracy on this. I'm a little skeptical, but I'd love to learn more. And he's uh, an interesting guy to talk to. Now, Rach, before I kick you out of here... Big poll today. I'm asking everybody, what's your monitor situation? What's your setup? I'm a single laptop guy. I'm number nine on there. I don't connect to any extra crap except for this mouse right here. I'm solidly number one. I could get a little bit. I would love to be a number two, but monitors are really expensive and my desk is kind of small. Um, I sometimes end up as a number nine. I really don't like it, though. It's just like. Like, I'm a number nine right now, but when I go to my co-working space, I'm a number nine. But when I stay at home, I'm I'm a number one. Um, Ellie, Ellie number six is crazy. I want to talk to a number six. If anyone was wondering, Timothy Dooner types fast on his keyboard like he's playing the drums and he means it. Pumping out content for what the truck is not for the week. Feet tapping, headphones on, the man is in his zone. That is true. I, I can't hear my typing. I have active noise cancellation on. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. People want to find your articles. Where do I send them to? 
You can uh, honestly just Google my name, Rachel Premack, Freight Waves. I am the only person with my name. Even though I'm getting married next weekend, I will still have my name. So you don't have to find the Rachel Smith. Uh, yeah, just uh, FreightWaves.com. You can see my articles there. You can go on Twitter. You can go on LinkedIn. All right. Um, we got it. That's it. Yeah. All right, Rachel. You got to work on that spiel. You got to get that like knocked out. You need like I know, I know, I know. Bang! It's been enough time. Man, but you're gonna be good. You'll be gone for like, three weeks to work on this. She's, Rachel will be away for like three exactly. weeks with her wedding and honeymoon and everything. So you, instead of focusing on your marriage, you focus on your your outro here on What the Truck. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what really matters. That's what yeah. really matters. All right, Rachel. Take it easy. Have a happy wedding. Happy to you and, and the new family you're beginning. Thank you so much. Cowbell for all of you. All right, meanwhile, I got this. You jump, I'll jump. When I move, you move. Oh, shit. These guys got one right on their porch. (laughs) Hi, Judy. Look, they're going to invite him in. Hi. Watch out that gate, go walk, This is not. Anybody who lives by Paris can tell you this is not a good idea. What's up, man? Oh, shit. Stop it. <laughs> Run. Run. All right, let's take a look at a little message from our next guest before we get into stuff. Do you know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. Hitting trucks. It's Jennifer DeAngelis, Director of Communications and Marketing at Operation Lifesaver, and they are on a mission to prevent train tragedies and destroy the content on this show by me having no more videos, which I would not complain about, Jennifer. Well, <laughs> I'm sure you would find something, Tim. <laughs> well, I don't know. We First of all, congratulations. You guys just had a great rail safety week, if I understand correctly. How did yeah. things go? Did you get the message you wanted to get out there? Thanks. We had a great rail safety week. Um, it's an annual observance, usually around the third week of September. We partnered with Operation Lifesaver Canada and the um, and Mexico, so it was a true North American effort. It's a week of concentrated messaging. We shared rail safety messaging, different different message every day of the week, um, trying to empower people to make safe choices when they find themselves around railroad tracks and trains. It looks like it that's a from great week. that looks like it was from some of the events you're at. Where did you get out to this year? So we have programs in 47 states plus Washington, D.C. So um, we had something happening in every state across the nation, um, as well as Canada and Mexico, right? Those uh, countries had their own programs going on. It was really great. It was wonderful to see so many partners sharing the rail safety message, teaching their communities about the reasons why it's important to make safe choices when you're driving around or walking near railroad tracks and trains. So it was really wonderful to see um, to see the rail safety message highlighted everywhere, right? We at Operation Lifesaver share this message every day, but Rail Safety Week is just a concentrated week of messaging. So it was wonderful. Did you happen to get to, did you happen to talk to any carriers or trucking companies during this week? I talked to Grace Sharkey Ooh. from Freight Waves. Um, I'm from the national office, but I, I am racking my brain. Like, I feel like I've seen photos and, and Facebook posts and social posts from some of our uh, state coordinators across the nation. Um, there's, there's a, um, Thursday of the week of rail safety week is dedicated to professional drivers. So I feel, I feel very confident that we were reaching out to them. Well, sure. We can reach out to some of them right now. What, what advice would you have for drivers to be safe around tracks? I think it's really important to know um, that it's important to make safe choices around tracks and trains, right? That's the first step, right? Trains are moving much faster than we think they are. They are much quieter than we think they are. Sometimes there's that optical illusion with trains that they appear to be standing still when they're moving very, very fast. Um, If you remember nothing else from today, whenever you see tracks, I would like you to think train. Um, as a professional driver, which I am not, that's your specialty, your guys' specialty, but, you know, make sure that you're, you're 
vehicle is going to completely clear the tracks um, and and leave some space, right? Because trains overhang tracks. So don't commit if you're not going to fit all the way across the crossing. Make sure that you're familiar with what you're driving. If you're driving a low clearance vehicle, you know, check the FRA app and, and check your route and see if you're going to need to change your route. If you're going over some raised crossings, you don't want to get hung up on the tracks. So you just want to always be aware um, of what's around you and make those safe choices when you're when you're driving over tracks and or kind of, find yourself near them. Jennifer, what kind of resources are available for drivers to know those like train schedules, for example, when they're planning that routing? So trains don't always travel on a schedule. So if you check, there's an FRA uh, app at fra.gov. Um, and it'll tell you about the crossings, but it won't tell you a schedule, right? Freight trains especially don't travel on schedules. Sometimes transit trains, right, are, are not exactly on schedule. So you should always, always expect a train. For the Operation Lifesaver part, we have a, a lot of resources specific to professional drivers. We have an e-learning challenge where you can practice driving around in a few different scenarios around tracks and trains. Um, you get a certificate at the end. It's, it's a really great training you can find online at our website at oli.org. On that website, if you go under Info Forward, there's a whole web page full of resources specific to professional drivers. We have brochures for you. We have videos for you. We have PSAs for you. Um, it's all there um, and free and easy for you to access and really easy for you to share with anyone who's driving. So I'm a truck driver. I get stuck on the tracks. What's the first thing I do? Call that number or get out of the truck? You would get out, get out and get away. Even if you don't see a train, right? Get out and get away, get to a safe place. And then there's that rectangular blue and white sign that has a phone number directly to the railroad that that controls traffic on those tracks. So each location is going to have a different phone number. So you want to get out, get away, find a safe location, and then call that number, whether you see a train or not. If you see a train coming, towards you, you get out and get away, but you run uh, away from the tracks towards the train at a 45 degree angle, right? To avoid, to minimize the debris that that's going to. Yeah. You, you, you listeners, you viewers out there, you've seen some of the videos we've posted. A lot of debris goes flying anywhere, especially the loads that could be inside these trucks. And a lot of times it's the trailers that get hit. You can get boards, you can get anything flying in your direction, let alone the cab of the truck. So definitely be careful there. We actually have a few PSAs. Let's take a look at the first one. I'm your C-Trax Think Train Safety Guide. But you can call me ST3. Let's cross together. Before we cross, look to the left and right. Remember, trains run at any time on any track in either direction. So always look both ways and listen for a train. Don't run in the station. Make sure to stay behind the yellow or bumpy line. Whenever you see tracks, think train. Yeah, you're getting the kids young, too. You're getting them started. I saw you had, like, activity yeah. books. You had a coloring book. You had that kid-themed uh, PSA. Yeah, I, those are some of my favorite new assets. Um, they're designed, as you said, for kids, right? Young kids who, who aren't yet reading and elementary-age kids who are reading, right? My middle schooler would be embarrassed, but I think he would also enjoy it. Um, there's that that real safety message is really important to teach young children, right? To make those safe choices when they're around tracks and trains. As you mentioned, we have a brand new coloring book specific to transit and we have an activity book for those older kids who are reading and we have them. Um, they're currently on our website in English, but they're going to be coming out in coming weeks in Spanish. So I'm excited that we're also going to be able to offer those assets. Yeah. That activity book is going to be all in Spanish, which is great as well. I I know a first and third grader in uh, elementary school who would think that's kind of cool, yeah. even if your middle schooler doesn't think it's cool. Now, you got to get them started smart, too, because one of the things that you, it's not just trucks stuck on tracks or cars stuck on tracks, also people crossing tracks that end up in these truck train tragedies, especially as I was talking to Rachel. I love my active noise cancellation, but it's a little too good and could uh, get me hit by a train. Yeah. Tra uh, train tracks are private property, right? Being on them, being too close to them is illegal. And it's dangerous, right? Trains can come at any time in any direction on any track. So um, it's important to pay extra attention and to stay off the tracks, to stay away and stay safe. Let's take a look at another PSA here. My name is Jamie McCallan, and my son Dylan Ford was killed in 2010 in a train incident. 
He was doing graffiti on the train tracks under an underpass. The train was coming into the final destination. I haven't recovered. I've processed, like I was saying, you never get over it, you never get under it, you never get through it. You process it the best you can. If I can save one person's life, do not play on train tracks. It can destroy everybody's life, not just your own. incident itself. It's the tragedy left in the wake, the impact on family. It impacts everybody. It impacts the first responders. It impacts the, the train operator. It impacts the whole community, um, right, as well as the family. That's a, great, that's a great new PSA. I just got chills watching it, right? And I've seen it a bunch of times. Um, we have a, a campaign called Stop Track Tragedies, where there's a library of stories of folks sharing their personal experiences whether it's someone who survived or whether it's, you know, in this case, someone's family sharing their story to help reinforce that message, right? That, that it's important to make safe choices around tracks and trains. Always. I, agree. I think we have one more too. Let's take a look at the next one here from Janice. My name is Janice Hicks and my son Jacob was hit and killed by a freight train when he was 16 years old in 2012. When the doctor finally came out and started to describe all the things that they tried to do to save him, but they weren't able to. In a split second, a distraction, and he's gone. I'm not sure that I will ever be the same person I was. Jacob was my whole world. Jennifer, you're a parent, I'm a parent. These things always hit so much more after you become a, a parent and you, you're like, wow. There's so much empathy when you see a parent lose their, their child. It's, yeah. it's, it's like there's nothing really more horrifying you can tell a parent. I can't, I can't even imagine, right? Like, I just can't, I can't even imagine. And, you know, I do rail safety for a living, right? This is what I do every day is I share this rail safety message. I have a new driver. He's 17. We were on a road trip this summer. And, you know, he's gone through driver's ed. He's got his license. And um, even on the road, I had to show him when you don't have lights and gates that you still need to look and listen for the train when it's coming. Um, so I think as a, as a parent and as a rail safety um, advocate, I think this is something we need to talk about with each other. Right. Every three hours in the United States, a person or vehicle is hit by a train. Every three hours in the United States, a person or vehicle is hit by a train. It's important, I think, that we talk about it with with our family, with our communities so that we can, you know, help people remember when they come across trains and tracks, whether you're driving, walking, um, hiking on your ATV, UTV, right, that you are making those safe decisions that you that, you know, trains always have the right of way. They take a very long time to stop. It's imperative that we all make those safe choices when we're maneuvering around them. Jennifer, people who want to make those safe churches uh, choices, they want to get their kids started young on an activity book, stuff like that. Where do I send them to to get more information about all this? I would send them to our website at oli.org. Again, that's oli.org. As a parent, you can go there yourself and download the information. There's a there's a tab at under for info on our website that's for professional drivers. As I mentioned, there's also one there that's just for kids. It has there's a lot of really great assets there for kids. There's some online video games. There's some opportunities for kids to kind of take a, a trip across the United States and learn rail safety along the way. There's there's a lot of assets there that, that they're there for you to use and they're there for you to share. Very, very cool. Now I've been polling everybody on this one. What's your monitor setup? Take a look over here. So I got to say, I don't understand the difference between seven and one, but my monitor setup is three and I love it. I have two screens and I love it. I love, love it. I have a hard time when I have to just use my laptop without my two big screens. What is seven? Is that like a mini fridge or a printer or something? I have no right. idea what's like, supposed I to be going just, on there. I can't, yeah, I can't right tell what that is, but three is my, is my 
happy place. Maybe that's like a loves like a lazy boy in front of a TV. Oh my gosh, that would be odd. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then that might be my backup. That's you. That's that's <laughs> yeah. me when I call in the meetings around here. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer. I appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thanks for getting the good message out there. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Take care. All right, no ride, no app, no problem with Uber Central on Uber for Business. You can help your drivers get where they need to go after dropping off the tractor. Schedule rides, control costs, and access 24-7 support and easy-to-use dashboard. You can learn more at Uber for Business. .com. Hey, attention, tank truck industry carriers, private fleets, and suppliers. Have you registered for this October's Tank Truck Week 2023? It's the largest tank truck event in North America for cutting-edge innovation, powerhouse networking, and keeping up with industry trends and insights, content, and value for executives, safety, HR, maintenance, tank wash, purchasing, and more. Help drive the tank truck industry forward October 8th through 11th this year in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. It's worth sending a representative. Register today at tanktruck.org slash tanktruckweek. All right, everybody. Elsewhere. Look at that. Look at that. It's airbags for human beings. Except for that lady. For some reason, she didn't get one. What was going on with the second lady? They just had her fall right on her ass. That one was fine. This is this would be good. This would be good for the old folks. My parents wrap in some of these bubble wrap so don't get knocked over all right let's bring him up it's mr super trucker justin martin what's what's going on man not much I, I could probably use one of those two in my old days oh the uh the uh yeah yeah the, like the drinking days you put one of those on you'll be all set you go to a yeah. Please advise meet up some in the, Chicago. Some of the sidewalks out there pretty pretty crooked <laughs> they, they could be you could use that where you're loading up um by the way, you got a favorite uh, leather? You got a favorite Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie? I got Leatherface here with me. Uh, I have. I actually have never seen any of them. What? No. Well, it's high time you saw the first one, Justin. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll set some time aside for like a nice marathon with the wife. Hey, Oida is pissed off. They say this broker transparency delay is BS. John Gallagher has a story on FreightWaves.com. But the basics of it are that they've been waiting for years, right? Small business truckers, federal regulators, they've been waiting forever. They started all of this back in May of 2020. Oida and the SBTC, SBTC the Surface uh, Board Transfer, they, they went out and uh, they petitioned the FMCSA to go and have broker transparency. You can see how much you're paying on these things. Well, they're supposed to finally hear it this year, and it's gotten kicked all the way to Halloween 2024, Justin. Yeah, it's, this is one of those things where as the market swings up and down, nobody complains about transparency when rates are up. Um, but now that rates have been down and have been down for quite a while, it's it's back with a vengeance. Um, I really do want this to be kind of hashed out and just kind of over and done with. Um, yes, it's legal. Like in, it's in the books that you're supposed to be able to petition for, you know, what the broker was paid on the load. But good luck with that. You know, most brokers, once you ask for it, they're just going to blacklist you and never work with you again. Um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot more groups now uh, complaining about this whole transparency thing, and we'll see where this goes. A widest petition requests that brokers provide transaction information automatically within 48 hours of completion of contractual services and that brokers be prohibited from including any contractual provisions that requires a carrier to waive its right to access the transaction records. You bring up a good point. Like this came up back in May of 2020 when all those truck drivers went to the White House and Donald Trump gave them a bag of hats. Mm -hmm. And now it's three years later. It's going. We, up love, we love our free hats. We've gone. We've gone through the uh, entire uh, historic rate escalation that happened during the pandemic. It's all fallen down. Now rates are terrible. As I started talking the show about, and we talk about all the time here. But is this is this ruling really going to matter? Forty eight hours after a transaction, you can see these these records. Like, is this going to change decision making? No, because I think a lot of the guys, they don't read that fine print. That's actually a really good point. When most people talk about broker transparency, they want to know like ahead of time like what the broker is making on that load. That way they know whether or not you know, they're making a decent cut. Because um, what's the point of having transparency if you haul a load for somebody and then after you've already completed it, you learn that they had like a 40% take on it? Yeah, the Small Business Transportation Coalition and OIDA. SBTC Executive Director James Land, he told Freight Waves, we believe big 3PL brokers that are contractually waiving truckers' transparency rights are engaging in evasion of regulation with impunity at best and at market manipulation scheme that constitutes unreasonable restraint of trade contrary to America's antitrust laws at worst. Big words out of them. 
Yeah, and we're seeing you know brokers are hurting too, just as just as long with the um, carriers right now too. You know, we're seeing uh, brokers filing for bankruptcy left and right right now. Well, there's the, the I guess the other side of this coin though is if you don't like speed limiters, that also got kicked too. A bunch of provisions yeah. trucking got completely ignored this year. They're like, we'll just deal with this next year. You can let the next guy who's in office deal with it. Um, this one was supposed to any vehicle weighing over twenty six thousand pounds, right? This has been delayed by six months. It was originally supposed to be June 30th, and now it's uh, December 29th. The speed limit hasn't even been set yet. The FMCSA, people think it might be 68. Why not 69 miles per hour? Too nice? I guess. <laughs> well, I, what, do you, what, what do you think? What's going to happen here? You think they're going to kick this again? Yeah, probably. The, the, nobody cares about speed limiters right now. Um, I think with the economy melting down and interest rates you know, still going through the roof, they're like, who cares as long as the stuff gets there? On time, most companies. I mean, sixty-eight is pretty high. Most company, most of your larger carriers, they throttle their trucks down to you know sixty-five or sixty-two. Also delayed by almost a year is a long-awaited NPRM on integrating automated driving systems into commercial motor vehicles. That was supposed to roll out in January. FMCSA has pushed the rulemaking back to December 29th. How do people feel about these ADS systems? Uh, I mean. Automation is still like one of those things that California is trying to, you know, block what they can. I, I think a lot of this is, is a case of like technology outpacing the laws right now. I mean, when you ask people like, you know, what it even is in PR, yeah, NPRM or ADS, they're like, well, we don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, a lot of things got pushed back. <laughs> so if you're waiting for those to come in, I mean, there's some good news, some bad news for you. I, I, I personally, I don't know if that broker transparency thing is going to, Going to help much, but Owyde is going to try it. I mean, they'll probably forget about it within a year if uh, the market improves. Yeah, a lot of our broker friends, too, they say that, like, say there's a magic wand. Everybody just tomorrow sees everything that everyone's making. There's going to be a lot of surprises. Most people don't seem to think that – most people seem to think that the brokers are making more than they really are. And for the for the majority of the cases, they're not. You're absolutely going to find some scumbags out there ripping people off. Um, but as far as, like, the, the market as a whole, that that's a very, very small minority. Well, you can. Uh, if this sounds fun to you, if you've been listening to this whole show, this industry sounds fun to you, and you want to take, uh, you want to live your American dream as a truck driver, you don't have to actually get a CDL anymore. You can get this new PlayStation game that came out yesterday. Let's take a look at the trailer. It's called Truck Driver: The American Dream. We needed to deal with the kaleidoscope of emotions that we were feeling from all that had happened. It gets deep too. I watched this trailer. I was five when I lost my father. Many would call me a loser, and I wouldn't blame them. I'm just a confused loser. <laughs> Going with the flow at a snail's pace. I got a job at Furious Delivery Company. Clint recommended me. He's a great guy. Now it's high time for me to make something of myself. Believe me, the money's good. But keeping your family together isn't easy. I'm glad you were home last night. Me too. I'm getting sick and tired of all these motels. And I was getting sick and tired of going to bed alone. I don't remember ever seeing Rambeer sad. Hey, Nathan, are you carrying any dangerous goods? When you were five, she was the only one who took care of you. And it wasn't easy for her. So, how's the new job? I do have a new truck. It's a newer model of the one Dad used to drive. I have a feeling you're going to be my favorite trucker. I don't see P-Jug Man in here. I think he's DLC. <laughs> the summary says, Truck Driver the American Dream will have a big emphasis on both simulation and storytelling. Starting out as a complete loser, you decide to get your life back on track by chasing the American Dream. What does this game need to have in it to be accurate, Justin? I, I, do you like the simulation aspect? Do you like the dating game aspect? It seems like it's trying to do too much at once. You can either be a really good driving sim or a really good dating sim i guess but i've never seen a game try to like merge the two together if it wanted to be like a really accurate uh simulation of being a truck driver uh just start with that first line and then repeat it over and over again just constantly chasing the american dream but then never getting it yeah Are, was that accurate about how uh clint told him it was good money but then he's like man my my marriage is falling apart and i live in motels everything's accurate except for the good money part yeah. Well, you think there's going to be cheat codes in this? You, you know, put in a cheat code, you get your get your own Freightliner? We'll see We'll see what the, the mods uh, come up with uh, when this gets out. Justin, you ever, have a, jobs. you ever have a pool? 
Oh, uh, when I was like a little kid in Texas, I have a brother-in-law who lives like four minutes away from me right now, so I don't need a pool right now. They can be a real pain in the ass. You know, anything can fall in them. Even yeah. a truck driver. Let's take a look at this story from former NBA player Evan Turner. Like a week and a half or so before Christmas, I just hear like a big like type crash. Not nothing crazy, but like decent enough where I'm like, damn, the Christmas tree fell. It's like, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? <laughs> my chef is pretty Big dramatic. House. So it's like, oh my God, Evan, there's a, there's a semi truck that fell in your pool. Something like maybe it was close. I'm trying to like take off. I'm about to like run outside, you know. Oh, it was a gas in my truck. Yeah, bro, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I was, I was like, why are you so dramatic about running away? My boy was sleeping downstairs. So, you know, you know, real activity. I'm like, I got to give him a fighting chance. <laughs> so I run downstairs. I. <laughs> I beat on the door. I'm like, oh, niggas, you know what I mean? Everything finna blow, we finna die. Like, that type thing, you know what I mean? So the guy's leg is wrapped around the steering wheel. He's like, get me the out of here. Get me the out of here. And we're like, bro, relax. You fell into <laughs> Like, take it easy. Like, you fell into the wrong guy. You better be lucky we nice, because I, I was finna leave, right? Like, but I'm being dead serious. I'm like, bro, this ain't my problem. Like, not my problem. I'm like, bro, I just bought this. Like, First response came, and uh, we saved the guy. So the guy walked out with, like, a broken rib, shattered leg, shattered hip, a couple weeks in the hospital. Wow. And he was like, you're the one who's in my pool after the guy <laughs> fell in there. Yeah, a couple weeks in the hospital. It must have been going at a pretty good pace to uh, get banged up like that. Yeah. Well, I would have liked, liked to know how they got the truck out of the pool. You know, they got the driver out, thankfully. But, you know, what about the truck? That's going to be costly. And what's the does, bill? Does your insurance cover that? <laughs> does, like, does it, how, home insurance cover that for you? I don't know. That's a really good, really good question. I, I know most house, house insurance policies don't really like having pools or trampolines. No, they can be dangerous. People can drown in them, Justin. I'll have to ask my wife. She, she deals with insurance. Hey, let's take a look at the day in the life of a longshoreman. So this is day in the life as a longshoreman. So I got an order on my screen. I'm driving to my order. I'm trying to test all these machines because everybody else is working. So I get to my row right here. It's another machine, the next row, so I can't get in my machine, my row. So now I'm beeping the horn, waiting for him to come out. He finally come out right there. He was probably in there asleep. So then I'm about to go into my row, row 18. I pull up, gotta find my box. There we go right there. Gotta lock in my box, make sure it's right. Pick it up. Then now I gotta drive over all of these boxes to get off the road. And it's raining too. And they still acting crazy on here. So then I'm driving to my location. It's 338. I pull up. Pulling up right here. My driver's still in here. He gotta get out because I can't drop the box while he's in the truck. But yeah, he still ain't get out yet. There he go. He right there in the cut. I'm pulling over his chest. See, he gave me the thumbs up. That means my box is good. I unlock, lift my spreader up, pull out, and then we out of here. I they should have it. They should have it like an adult amusement park where you can go to and you can move boxes around. I would be there like immediately. Justin. Oh, he vanished. Justin's gone anyway. All right, let's bring up our, our next guest, that dog. That's not Zach. <laughs> that looks like Randy. That looks like my lab. <laughs> this guy can't even hold up. I wouldn't be able to hold it in either if Randy showed up next. <laughs> I would be so happy. <laughs> well, it's our next guest. It's Zach Checkling. He's the chief information officer over at Echo Global Logistics. Zach, as I understand, you're like you're an Echo Lifer. I was looking in your background. Echo Lifer, fifteen plus years here. Interesting. So you must be you're a Chicago guy. Your your whole life too. I grew up a little bit downstate, but uh, I went to Northern Illinois for college, came straight to Chicago after that, and uh, was lucky to find Echo back in 2008 when there were about 100 people. We're 3,200 people today, so it's been a uh, it's been a wild ride. Well, I hate to report, we might be stealing your team in Tennessee. We might be taking the White Sox down to Nashville, so we'll have to see what happens there. But in the meantime, AI, it's been such a big buzzword. AI, data, it all coming together. Let's talk about that a little bit. What's cool with AI and Echo Global Logistics? 
Yeah, I think first, uh, the buzzword lately has been this generative AI, you know, ChatGPT, Bard, Dolly, all these sites that are creating content. And that's just one use case of AI and data science. And uh, while that's really important, I think what I wanted to talk about today is we go beyond generative AI and we go beyond just AI in general at Echo um, to really leverage many different intelligent capabilities. And so when I think about the different offerings that we have from a technology perspective at Echo, we take a we don't take a one-size-fits-all approach. For shippers and for carriers, we want to meet them where they are in their technology adoption journey. And so that means for an Anheuser-Busch, we have integration capabilities and API capabilities and direct connections. For a smaller shipper that might move a few LTL loads a month, we have a small TMS called Echo Ship uh, that gives them the ability to quote and book and track orders um, and pay all right there on the site. And so we really try to, to take an approach that brings the technology to the end user wherever they are in their journey. That being said, we also take in a similar approach from an AI and a technology perspective. Um, at times, artificial intelligence or machine learning is the best approach. At times, you don't have to get that complicated. We use robotic process automation across large areas of our business to drive efficiency gains for our people or for the shippers and for the carriers. Sometimes it's just about building intelligent workflow within your platform. And so it's more about a UI or a UX, um, driving better decision-making, better workflows, uh, intercompany networking. You think about a broker like Echo Global Logistics, we've got a carrier sales organization and a client sales organization, and bringing that network together in a frictionless way is really important. And so a lot of that has to do with building the right workflows. And then one of the last points to make is intelligent people are still such a big part of the equation. And technology at your fingertips, experts by your side, continues to be the echo model um, for how we want to do business with shippers and with carriers and with our internal people. And so the people aspect of this is still incredibly important. Building the right relationships, solving problems for shippers and carriers when they come up, um, and, and driving real market share gains with the shippers and the carriers that we do business with today. We still very much rely on people in those areas because we feel like that's the most value-added work that a person can do. All of the day-to-day -day mundane tasks, that's where we put the AI, the machine learning, the data science to work to automate those tasks so our people can do the things that really matter. We're talking about like data and scale. How many shipments a day are we talking about here? At Echo, we're over 16,000 shipments a day. And so that's where, you know, technology at your fingertips, expert by your side really matters when you think about us, a company at that great a scale. We could never do what we do today if we were just leveraging people. We could also never do what we do today if we were just trying to leverage technology. I think that's proven to not be um, the path to take within this industry. Uh, it's the combination that we think is the differentiator and the competitive advantage for us here. So how are you interfacing with your clients right now? Well, like what technology are they taking advantage? What are they leveraging here? Yeah, so for clients, we have a few different options. We, we have an EchoShip portal, which again is like, a, think of it as a small TMS that we give away for free uh, to shippers of any size. Uh, it's leveraged mostly by a smaller to mid-size shipper. Uh, they're able to come in, quote, book, track, uh, pay for their freight all directly through that EchoShip portal. Uh, they can do that for LTL. They can do that for truckload. Uh, and soon within the next month, I think we're unveiling this at FreightWaves here in a month and a half, they'll be able to do that for partial shipments as well, which we're really excited about. We also directly integrate with just about every TMS or ERP that's out there. So if you're a shipper that's already leveraging a TMS or an ERP, uh, we can directly integrate uh, tracking, quoting, booking, uh, you name it, invoicing, documents, directly integrate into your TMS. Uh, and we've got a large team within our technology organization here that um, is, is pumping out tons of integrations on a weekly basis. We also have direct EDI and API capabilities uh, straight with a shipper. And so if they prefer that route, we'll go that direction. Um, and then finally, 
a little bit unique again about Echo is we do have about a billion dollar managed transportation business where we act as ent- entirely as the transportation management provider for a shipper. So if you want to outsource it completely, uh, we'll do that as well. And again, we'll integrate really tightly in with that shipper's um, technology that they're already working with, their order management platform or their ERP. Uh, and we'll handle the shipping and the procurement and the relationships for them. Uh, and so that billion-dollar business complements our uh, our $3 billion brokerage in a, in a really nice way. What's good in um, algorithms for load matching? How have those changed or evolved or gotten better? Yeah, so for starters, just the ability for Echo to predict a price continues to get better. I think about when we started on this journey seven or eight years ago, you know, there was all sorts of feelings within the industry that tribal knowledge was the only way, and there's just too many variables associated to truckload. We'll never be able to predict accurately a price. Um, and while there's certainly a spectrum spectrum of prices that can happen on any given lane at any given time, Echo's ability uh, to leverage the data science and to iterate on our algorithms over the last five, six, seven years, uh, we've gotten it to a point now where we feel very confident in the pricing that we're uh, putting out there. And when we're able to predict the cost in a very confident way, we're able to use that cost prediction in two ways. One is through our Echo Drive web and mobile portal, as well as internally, uh, we're able to automate a lot of carrier pricing um, with the with the carriers because we can use that expected buy price, try to leverage that throughout our carrier network to be able to streamline for the carriers, give them access to the freight, allow them to bid. We automatically negotiate those bids through an algorithm all that's driven, you know, with the base uh, expected price. Um, we are also able to then take that base expected price, use a lot of data science and algorithms to uh, create a quote to a shipper. So what's the right markup strategy for each particular shipper uh, and leverage that through all of our technology. So again, that that quote algorithm would be leveraged through EchoShip, would be leveraged through the EDI and API capabilities uh, and direct into some of our channel partner TMSs. Very cool. Awesome stuff coming out of Echo Global Logistics. Now, you're a chief information officer. I've been asking everybody this today. What's your setup? He's, you get, you got to be number six with, with the monitors. <laughs> uh, no, thankfully, I'm not number six. I'm glad I don't have that many things to pay attention to all at once. I am a number two guy right here. But right now I'm on my phone because apparently my video, uh, you know, didn't work well with your site. We had too much security here. You know, we're keeping keeping everything <laughs> secure, including including our shippers' freight uh, is important to us here at Echo. Uh, so I, you got you, you got me on my phone this time. At first, yeah. I thought maybe you just thought I was built for radio, which I slightly took offense to that. Yeah, well, I, number ten, I think, should have just been a phone because I, I tend to do a lot. On just my phone. Well, Zach, thank you so much for your time today. Everyone go check out Echo Global Logistics. Get uh, get your tech in order. Take it easy, sir. Yeah, www.echo.com. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to uh, hit me up as well if you have questions or want to connect. Cool. Take it easy, sir. Take care. All right, here's my favorite story of the day. In Philadelphia, there's been all these thefts and all these riots coming on. Well, here's some hornets, right? Uh, <laughs> this is from ABC6. They report a vacuum containing hundreds of hornets was stolen from a Philadelphia beekeeper's truck. Those girls should be full of life and extra spicy. I anxiously await your unboxing video. That was a message left for the thief. That is the, the guy who left the message was a guy named Bob Shump. He's the owner of Philadelphia Bee Company. They're a beekeeping operation. He says they do removals of anything that flies and anything that stings. They relocate wasps and honeybeans. Well, apparently they just done a big relocation. They'd sucked up a ton of hornets and a ton of wasps sometime between 9 p.m. on Thursday and 7 a.m. on Friday. Someone stole the vacuum out of the bed of his truck. Shem said the hornets inside the vacuum are large and can be aggressive. He also said there's a nest inside the vac that could produce hundreds more this fall. So I won't. I wonder if there's a bunch of those looters that take in the iPhones and they, uh, they get to the shop back over there, going all over them. Hey, it's been a great episode. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you to all of our guests today. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. You can find this show at FW What the Truck. Find us on uh, YouTube. Look up What the Truck on there. Look up the uh, playlist on Freak Week's YouTube. Take care. Don't be a stranger.